Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wassalamun ala ibadihi alladhi nasafa Amma ba'd Fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Walladhina jahadu fina Lanahdiyannahum subulana Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم. الله سبحانه وتعالى has blessed us with the spiritual heart that acts as a receptacle for his consciousness and his love. Meaning the place that we fill the heart is the place that we fill with the love and consciousness of Allah and just like purity is required before we can fill anything in the same way purity is required before we can fill the heart one of the very 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 important principles of spiritual development is that essentially it's three steps. Step one is to purify the heart. Step two is to fill the heart with the love of Allah. And the consequence of that is step three, which is that it's expressed as Islam. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to do step one first and then step two for second and then step three third, meaning we're not going to say, I'm not going to practice, for example, we're not going to say I'm going to hold off on my practice of Islam until... I've taken care of step one and step two. But what I mean by step one, step two here, and then step three, is that we should understand that this is the path. This is the mechanism by which we achieve excellence in our, in our deen. So the first thing that we need to appreciate is that our hearts have to be pure. The heart has to be pure, purified of every impurity. And... Honestly, the person who wants to seek excellence in Islam is really vigilant about this. They're exceedingly vigilant about this. They will do everything in their power to avoid any degree of impurity. There's no major and minor sin. There's just sin. Because sin is filth, and filth is discordant with the love of Allah and the consciousness of Allah. So the more the heart is pure, the higher the likelihood that we can fill it with the love of Allah, and the greater the expression of that as excellence in Islam. In fact, I would argue, I've said this many times before, the whole battle lies here. This is the whole battle. The whole battle is to keep the heart pure. Because alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, we have the deen of Islam. And the deen of Islam has five pillars. And those five pillars, honestly, 
in and of themselves are sufficient to achieve the love and uh, consciousness and taqwa of Allah. It's so powerful. Just honestly, just the shahada. Just the shahada by itself is so powerful. Then on top of that, when you, you got the shahada, you put in the adhan, you put in the response to the adhan, you put in the iqama, you put in the prayer, you put in the um, fact that we give zakah, you put in the fact that we sit in gatherings, you put in the fact that you come into the masjid, you put in the fact that you say salam to one another, you put in the fact that um, you, know, you do a good deed here and there. Every one of these is striking the heart. And they each one independently should impassion the heart. Like I've said before, even just looking at the sun, looking at a tree, looking at the sky, looking at the hand and the movements of the hand, looking at a fingerprint, all of these things, they should impassion the heart. They should drive a person to, to want to express excellence because they know that uh, either they're, they're behaving as if they see Allah or they're certain that Allah sees them. But where does the whole battle lie? Where does the battle lie? The battle doesn't lie in bringing something new. You know, people, when things aren't working out for them, they want to go find something new. They're going to want to watch a new lecture, watch a new, new YouTube video, go to Barnes & Noble and read a book, new book on how I'm going to be well. We don't need that. We already have a paradigm. It's the five pillars. It's called Islam. And you go a little bit beyond that, and you easily reach excellence. The whole problem is here, step one. We don't want to leave the sins. We don't want to leave the things that are filling our heart and making our heart discordant with all of this beauty of Islam. So first and foremost, we have to recognize that we have to avoid sin. And I was speaking about this last Saturday. I can repeat this every single week, and it would still not be sufficient. The whole battle lies here, ridding ourselves of sin. Now, there's other layers, ridding ourselves of the love of dunya, which, you know, nowadays this is the other big problem, which is that we're completely surrounded by the material. By dunya, I just mean material world. And we're completely surrounded by the material world, and we're just pursuing our desires 24-7, any idea comes in my head, I just type it in Google. Any desire arises in my stomach, I just go, you know, I just type where I can find it. I can press a button, it's delivered to me. It complicates the matter. Regardless, the first step is always avoiding sin. So we have a responsibility to, with great energy and effort, to detail our hearts. I mean, honestly, let me ask you, if you owned a Ferrari, or some sort of car of that nature, you would keep it so clean. You're like, this is something special. I'm only going to drive it on Sundays. Why? Because if I drive it any other day, and at any other time except 6 in the morning on Sunday, there's a possibility that someone might scratch it. So I'm going to protect this thing. This is my, my baby. And I'm going to park it in the garage. It's never going to be left outside. And even when it's in the garage, I'm going to put a big cover over it. And even when it's clean, I'm still going to go get it washed. And I'm going to not just give it to anybody. I'm going to give it to that person who really is like a you know, world-class detailer because I don't want them to make a mistake and even scratch the leather. I mean, isn't that how anybody would behave with anything of value? i give you the example of a Ferrari. If you're into cars, maybe you're into something else. It doesn't matter what it is. Somebody has a really nice expensive purse. Somebody has a Ferrari. Somebody even has a really nice pair of shoes. Sometimes you'll see like, you know, the there's like some shoe up in the corner way in the right-hand side, and why is a person putting their shoe there? You can see it's a brand-new shoe. It's something unique. I haven't seen it before. You know, so they don't want anyone like even messing up the leather, so they put it up in the corner. See, the people who have nice cars, they're the ones that park the furthest away because they want to make sure that there's no even five cars near them. 
So if that's the way we behave with something that we deem to be valuable in this world, then I mean, how should we treat the heart? This is greater than any Ferrari. It's greater than any bag or purse. It's greater than any pair of shoes. It's, honestly, it's the place, it's a diamond because it's actually the place where the ma'rif of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes. This is where the love of Allah comes. This is where the consciousness of Allah comes. As the Prophet said, This is where taqwa resides. So how can it be that we're just haphazard, we just put our heart into the world at any time? Bump it here, let it collide here. We're colliding with this person we're not supposed to be looking at. We're colliding with that person we're not supposed to be talking to. We're engaging with this in this environment that we're not supposed to be in. It's like we're taking this beautiful heart and we're just letting it fill with filth. So exceedingly important that we keep the heart pure and clean. Now, subhanAllah, we have many mechanisms by which we can attain that. First and foremost is to avoid sin. And as I've mentioned previously, the number one way to avoid sin is to avoid the environments of sin. Just like if you say to me, hey, I got a Ferrari. This Ferrari is worth $400,000 and you cannot even get another one. You have to wait 10 years before they're going to, you know, I can get back on that list of, I don't know how long that list is, 10 years, 5 years, however long the list is. I can't even get another one of these cars. They make only 13 a year or whatever it is. Then I would say to you, don't drive it during rush hour. Like You want to protect it from an accident? Don't drive it during rush hour. You have to be in the right environment. Drive it at 5 in the morning on a Sunday. Nobody's outside. You just can drive it, drive it around the block, wherever you want to go, bring it back in the house, you're done. So uh, that's the case with the heart as well. We have to avoid the environments where collisions can occur. We have to avoid the environments where a scratch can arise. We have to avoid the environments where defects might, 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 might become apparent. So the first step is to avoid sin, and of course the way to avoid sin is to avoid the environment of sin. After we do everything to avoid sin, the next thing is that we have to clean and detail the heart. And the cleaning of the detail in the heart occurs through istighfar. And that's what we're going to talk about briefly today, this concept of istighfar. SubhanAllah, there's a hadith, two hadith that actually come back to back in the book of Imam Muslim, in which the Prophet really summates the matter in, only, in a way that only the Prophet can. In one narration, he mentions, O people. Now, the O people is really important because it's like a broad address. Sometimes the Prophet would give advice to an individual. Somebody comes and asks the Prophet some advice, and the Prophet shares that advice back. You, can, you wonder, is it particular to that individual? And of course, the scholars, they help to explicate exactly where, where, where the advice is relevant. But here, the Prophet is actually predicating the advice with a statement, O oh, people, indicating what? Suggesting that this is a general, um, you know, general advice that should be shared with everybody. So he says, O oh, people, tubu in Allah. Turn in repentance to Allah. O oh, people, turn in repentance to Allah. And then he mentions that, verily I turn in repentance to Allah a hundred times a day. O oh, people, turn in repentance to Allah. And the wording here is tubu. So turn in repentance to Allah. Verily, I turn to, I turn in repentance to Allah a hundred times a day. Now, subhanAllah, there's a couple points here. First of all, as I've mentioned, the Prophet is giving broad general advice, which means it's applicable to everybody in this room. 
It's not a circumstantial advice. It's not on Saturday do this or at this particular time do this. It's a broad general advice. The prophet is predicating it with uh, old people. And the second is that he's using himself as an example. Now, subhanAllah, why does the Prophet need to turn in repentance to Allah? We know that the Prophet was protected from any mistakes. Forget about sin, even any mistakes. So why would it be that the Prophet is telling us that he is doing this a hundred times a day? And the scholars, they mention that one of the great benefits of this is that we're being taught a lesson which is that if the Prophet at his state and his status is making, it's turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a hundred times a day, then where are we? Where are we, you know, with all of the filth that we accumulate throughout the day? And how much do we speak we shouldn't speak? How much do we see we shouldn't see? How much do we pursue that we shouldn't pursue? So this should be a habit of each of ours that we consistently turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance. By the way, when the scholars, when the narration says a hundred times a day, some scholars say this literally means a hundred times a day, and other scholars say that this hundred just means excessive. Because sometimes hundred in Arabic can be used for just to show the excess of something. But okay, irrespective of the points the same. Point is the same, is that we should be constantly detailing the heart. Now, what is Toba other than just detailing the heart? It's appreciating that there's something in my heart that shouldn't be there. There's a sin. There's, a, there's the mark of a sin. There's the black mark of a sin, the dark mark of a sin. So I need to expunge that. I need to detail that by making Toba. Now, by the way, of course, if, if a person doesn't appreciate that they're even making a mistake or sinning, they'll never make toba. So another benefit that we can take from this is the Prophet is advising to follow his example of making a hundred tobas in a day or seeking, turning, repenting to Allah a hundred times in a day. Then it means that we have to be able, we should be able to find. I mean, none of us in this room can say, actually, that doesn't apply to me. And it can't be, you know, I'm having trouble finding my own sins. No, it's the other way. We should be able to, we should readily, they should be readily apparent. Shouldn't, we shouldn't be like a guessing, you know, I'm so perfect, I can find the sins of a hundred people, but I can't find one sin of my own. That's not what's being implied here. The, implied, the implication here is that there must be things that we're doing that we should be constantly making toba for. So anyway, the summary of this particular part of the narration, or this, this first narration, is that all of us should have a regular habit of making toba and turning in repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a hundred times a day. The second narration, which is just adjacent to this narration in the collection of hadith, also in the book of Imam Muslim, here the Prophet makes a very interesting statement. He says that on occasion, on occasion, I perceive a haze, a slight haze on my heart. On occasion, I perceive a slight haze over my heart. And so I make istighfar a hundred times in a day. Now, subhanAllah, two points or a few points that we can learn here. The first is the Prophet is what we call doing muraqabah of his heart. 
He's conscious of his heart. His attention is on his heart. Like you and I would have our attention on that Ferrari. Honestly, if somebody had a Ferrari in the parking lot, I would be willing to bet after prayer, they go back and double check the car before they get in. Just make sure there's no scratches on it. But they're doing muraqab above the car. They park it so far, they're thinking about it, they come in the masjid, as soon as prayer is over, they run and double check it. Here, we're learning that the Prophet is constantly surveilling his heart. And surveilling just means, is the Arabic term for surveillance is muraqaba. Muraqaba yuraqibu just means to watch over, to, to continuously watch over something. So here, we're learning, the first point that we're learning is that the Prophet is in tune with his heart. He's conscious of what's going on in his heart. He's focused on his heart. He's recognizing what's going on in the heart. And he perceives in some subtle way which we will never be able to understand. The scholars, they explicate it, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But in some subtle way that we would never be able to understand, he perceives some sort of haze. Some, a slight haze. It's hard to even translate. Slight haze. So what does he do in response to that haze? He says, so I make istighfar to Allah a hundred times in a day. So now we're getting a second dimension. Essentially, in the first narration, we're learning that the Prophet is making tawbah or, re or repenting to Allah a hundred times a day. In the second narration, we're learning that the Prophet is perceiving, is watching, surveilling his heart, perceiving something slightly different, just part of the, the humanity, right? That the Prophet has to eat, he has to engage with the world. So there's this humanity uh, aspect, right, that he's perceiving in the spiritual heart. And he essentially, to remedy that, to remedy that is making istighfar a hundred times a day. So in the same way, we should be surveilling our hearts. This is, like I said at the very beginning, this is where taqwa resides. This is where the love of Allah resides. This is where the consciousness of Allah resides. When, I, when I'm sitting in a madrasa, okay, I'm sitting in a madrasa, I'm learning uh, you know, all this great knowledge. Where is that knowledge going? What's the receptacle for that knowledge? Part of it goes in the mind. mind I, I accept that. But really the true receptacle is the heart. That's what knowledge is. Knowledge isn't a bunch of information. Knowledge is something that effectuates and changes the heart. When I'm praying, what am I really doing? I'm really purifying my heart. I'm, I'm, it's, 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 it's an act of the heart. When, this, when, when a person makes a true sajda, sure, the body goes into sujood, and the, there's a fiqh ruling concerning how a sajda is made and what parts need to be on the ground and how much time a person not time, but what state a person needs to enter to, to, for that sajda to have occurred properly. But there's a greater sajda, which is the sajda of the soul, the sajda of the heart, where the heart has truly bowed down before Allah. So the heart is the receptacle for this deen. Every amazing phenomena that occurs in the natural world, world around us, the heart's the, what's receiving that. It's what's going to be blown away by that. It's what's going to... Uh, be attracted by that which is then going to drive it to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this un unique and amazing way. Otherwise, there's tons of people on the planet who understand the physics uh, of all of the mechanics and the physics and quantum mechanics of, of all of the stuff that's going around the, on, on the world. 
I mean, they have so much information in their minds, yet it hasn't translated into their hearts. And there's simple people who don't understand any of that, but they can simply look at the clouds and be blown away. And their minds may not be as complex as yours and mine as far as the information we have within it, but their hearts are so pure. So the receptacle for this deen is, is our hearts. And we can go into 20 lectures and hear the same thing. We don't change. We go to long, long, long conferences, and we, we have the whole paradigm of deen placed before us in a weekend, and it doesn't cause a change. Why is that change not occurring? It's not a problem with the deen. It's a problem with the heart. The heart's not ready to receive it. So the heart has to be kept exceedingly pure because it is the receptacle, it is the container, it is the vessel. Maybe vessel is the right word. It's the vessel in which we put everything that matters to us. And it's essentially when that heart becomes full of all of that deen and goodness that it's expressed on the limbs. And when it's expressed on the limbs, that's what we call excellence which is essentially who the Sahaba were. They were, they, they were models of excellence. Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with him. You can't come up with a better uh, summary statement concerning the Sahaba. So it's so important from the second narration we're learning that it's so important to surveil the heart, to consistently ask the question, where am I? Where is my heart? What is the state of my heart? Is my heart just some trash receptacle? We just, I'm just throwing in every piece. It's just like a junkyard. You know, every piece of junk that I can find, I just dump it into the heart. Everything I can see that I shouldn't see, I throw it into the heart. Everything that I can hear that I shouldn't hear, all this cursing, swearing, filth that people speak, all this stuff that's going on in the world around us, I mean, it's just filth. It's like so much filth. I mean, consistent, you know, reels and reels and reels and reels of filth just playing over and over again on all of these different... Um, venues and we, we casually put our guard down and when we casually put our guard down it goes in our eyes and it goes into the heart and it lodges there it goes into the ears and it gets into the heart and it lodges there when we're speaking what we shouldn't speak it, it, you know we're, we're using swear, swear words and speaking in, in ways that just aren't concordant with the way the Prophet behaved and how a Muslim should behave or how any God conscious individual should behave those things have an effect. They have a big effect. And unless we're surveilling the heart and asking the questions like, where is my heart? What's in my heart? What am I trying to do? You know, is this, is this really, have I really made this place pure to receive a guest? If, you invite, if you're going to invite a brother to your home or a sister to your home, most people are going to clean up the house a little bit before the guests come to, to, because they want to honor the guests. They want the guests to feel comfortable. They want... Uh, to, to be known that they have a, a pure, clean, nice place that their family lives in. You're not just going to, you know, some special person comes to your home, you don't just open the door. You want to know beforehand so you can make sure that everything's put away properly and things are cleaned up. So when we're going to receive this deen, we're receiving the hadith of the Prophet we're receiving the Qur'an, the words of Allah. We're, we think it's just going to come into some, you know, disorganized, uh, chaotic uh, heart, particularly that's full of filth. It's discordant, and you know, people say, what's the big deal? What's the big deal if I listen to this? What's the big deal if I watch this? What's the big deal if I spend time there? What's the big deal if I eat there? Yeah, I have no problem, it's not a big deal. On the face of it, it's not a big deal. I'm not even talking about halal and haram. Put all that, way for, pull all, all that away for a second. Fine, it's not a big deal. But, but the problem, where, where does the big deal arise? The big deal arises is that like, we've been given this gift 
Honestly, the only thing that really matters, like what else are we going to achieve in this world? Everything else I've gone over so many times, it's just a derivative of dust. The only thing is Allah. I mean, we know the only thing like we could actually achieve is some proximity to Allah to earn his pleasure. Like he created us out of nothing. He created this whole universe for us to subsist. He created every opportunity for us. And then he gives us like this freebie of time. Like, hey, take 20, 30, 50 years, just say la ilaha illallah, do a few basic things to prove it, and I'm going to give you jannah infinitely. So what other opportunity is there? There is no other opportunity. Everything else is just a game, it's a toy, it's just the pursuit of emptiness. It's just the pursuit of something which isn't even real. So like, we're going to sell that for what? For like, some, 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 some people creating filth and then, and then like spreading it through the world and we're just like sitting in a consuming it it just it just does not make sense like you can't compute it in any way for the for the person of sense now i know we have nafs we have shaitan we have all these things that you know will drive us to do things that we shouldn't be doing but we really need to appreciate the value of this heart this is where the word of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in and ignites a passion in a person. This is where the statements of the Prophet send them come in and they ignite passion in a person. You don't need to know. I mean, you see these collections, 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi. These 40 hadith, honestly, if you, if you really inculcated these 40 hadith, and if we really inculcated these 40 hadith in our lives, how much more would we need? Sure, we need some basics. We need to know how to pray, this, that. But so many of these collections of hadith are so powerful that honestly, if we really lived according to those 40 hadith, we would be like way up here. We don't need like thousands and thousands of pieces of information. I'm like watching hours and hours and hours of this and that and trying to gain all this information and trying to create a change in my life. That's not where the problem is. It's not about that. The problem is here. In this chest, in this, this spiritual heart, this is what needs to be kept pure. And the mechanism by which this is kept pure is istighfar and tawbah. And now, based on what we just spoke about, We've established that this istighfar and tawbah should be occurring 100 times a day. So my reminder to myself and to each of you is that as part of our daily routine, as part of our daily routine, we should spend a few minutes on occasion turning our attention to our hearts and asking the question, is this ready? Has this been cleaned? Has this been prepared to be able to take advantage of all the opportunities that are around me? And when we do so, it should be active, not passive. Meaning, the advice that I, you know, maybe I'll give you a more practical piece of advice. Five times a day, I'll just say, after every prayer, after every prayer, when you complete the prayer, you're all done with the prayer, you're just about to get up and go back to your car or go back to work, pause for two minutes. Two minutes, not a big deal. Pause for two minutes. And in those two minutes, just turn your mind's eye to your heart. And look at your heart to see whether it's where it should be. And make ten istighfar. And repent to Allah ten times. So, you know the statement that we have in our routine, which I've mentioned before, but it's worth repeating. Astaghfirullah Rabbi this is the in the daily routine you can find it on our website even in the daily routine this is what we assign normally I say a hundred times a day but I'm going to make this very simple ten times after every prayer 
Now, why do I say 10 times after every prayer? Because we live in such a busy life that if I ask you to do 100 times a day, it won't be possible, just the way the world is today. So 10 times after every prayer, what I mean is that you've got the momentum of the prayer at your back. You've created the, we've done the wudu, you've gone through the prayer, you sit down, you're already seated, you can carry that momentum for two extra minutes. Two extra minutes. And it's hard because Shaitan comes and whispers at that time, as we've already mentioned, and maybe a month or two ago I gave a talk about this, but Shaitan comes and whispers, hey, you got to do that. And don't you remember that you have to fill this form out? And don't you remember that you got to check this email? Do, oh, wait, isn't this time to call the doctor? You didn't even remember the whole day to call the doctor. All of a sudden, after Dhuhr, it's time to call the doctor. So you drag the momentum for two extra minutes. Just ignore those uh, whisperings. And for two extra minutes, you sit and you just turn your mind's eye to your heart and actively find the filth. Earlier today, I was driving. There was something I shouldn't have seen. Astaghfirullah. Yesterday, I was a zombie. My mind was just so fatigued, and I just sat down with my phone and started pressing random buttons because I just couldn't think of what else I could do. Saw all these things. I heard all these things. Astaghfirullah. I was speaking... And I used some words that were filthy and shouldn't have been used. Astaghfirullah. Or even better, Astaghfirullah Rabbi min kulli dhanbin wa atubu ilayh. Now notice that this statement, the power of this statement is that it captures both of the narrations, correct? Because in one narration, the Prophet is saying, Tubu, you know, make tawb, repent to Allah. In another narration, he's mentioning that he himself makes istighfar. So I send them. So this phrase is very compact, but it contains both. And if it just ten times, astaghfirullah Rabbi min kulli thambin wa atubu just ten times after every prayer, but it should be active and focused and with an understanding that I'm sitting and scrubbing and detailing my heart to create a pristine heart so that it can receive this deen. And then, if we do so, subhanAllah, like, we don't have a problem of, like, scholars and knowledge and liquor gatherings. And there's, like, every day there's, like, multiple things going on in Chicago. That's, that's easy. The hard part is this. Like, we're not, we're not preparing the receptacle, the, the vessel. We're not preparing the vessel of this deen properly. So, one simple advice, as I just mentioned, is that to turn, after every prayer ten times, Turn your attention to your heart, detail it, use this statement, think about this fact that the Prophet is making, is, is, is advising these two things, istighfar and uh, turn, repenting to Allah, and do it 10 times. And then fine, so that 10 times 5 is 50. Of course, we know, we just mentioned, the Prophet mentioned 100 times, so at least you got 50 done, you're halfway there, hopefully that's the uphill, and then everything else will be downhill. You can top it off throughout the day by making a few more istighfar and a few more, in this case, istighfar, until you reach 100. But this is like a non-negotiable, like uh, people just, you know, there's no magic wand, as I've mentioned many times. We really want to be spiritual. We really want to experience this deen. We really want to exhibit excellence. It, 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 that's, it comes through the hard work of tawbah, istighfar, keeping the heart pure, etc. That's where all the battle lies. So this istighfar, it can't be like... A, you, you know, we're, we're talking about spirituality, and we say, well, you know, I really haven't made istighfar for any, 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 
for whatever, weeks, months, years, whatever it might be. No, this needs to be embedded in our daily routine. So again, summary, best summarized by the Prophet them. The Prophet them mentioned in one narration, O oh people, O oh people, repent to Allah. And I repent a hundred times in a day. And in another narration, I, at times I perceive, the Prophet said something saying, at times there is, not I perceive, at times there is a haze over my heart. This is the wording. It's, it's a passive, passive voice. At times there is a haze over my heart. So I make istighfar a hundred times in a day. So we should make istighfar and tawbah a hundred times every day. And through that, we'll be one step closer to preparing our hearts to be able to receive all of the amazing aspects of this deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be amongst those who are able to keep our hearts pure. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provide us with ample opportunity to be able to fill it with light, nur, knowledge, dhikr, his remembrance and his love. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those whose hearts are full such that they express and manifest the excellence of this deen uh, on their limbs. Wa akhirut da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.